This is the Huey Alert Podcast with Craig and Shelley Huey, bringing you the tools to transform our nation and culture, the intersection of faith and politics. Hi, everyone. It's Craig Huey of the Huey Alert. And I'm so glad you're with us again today. You know what? My beautiful bride, Shelly, she's not with us, but she'll be with us next time. But I am excited because we've got a really hot topic from someone I think you're going to really like, Peter Demos. Peter is an entrepreneur. Uh, he knows God's word. He comes from a legal standpoint of, of taking a look at, 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 at issues. And, and one of the issues that we're going to bring up for this podcast is the issue of Christians and disobedience, civil disobedience. Um, those who have been with us for a long time know that back in 2020, uh, after there was the unconstitutional church uh, lockdowns in California, for example, the prohibiting of even home Bible studies and worship in the church and threats of pastors being put into jail, there were some pastors who stood up and refused. And um, I wrote an article about Romans 13 and obeying government and whether or not the pastors who were defending the lockdown were right and whether or not uh, you know, we should simply be obedient or if we should do what's right in the sight of God. So that was the hot issue. And I got to tell you, I, I got so much heat on that. I'd be glad to send you that article anytime. Uh, just just email me and we'll, we'll send you the article. So with Peter uh, for this podcast, um, Peter, it's so good to have you with us. Uh, I'm excited about talking about the whole issue of Christians and civil disobedience. So Tell me what that means and, and, and how, how does it apply to us? Now, if, if we were in, you know, communist China, you know, if we snuck into a home church, not knowing if we're going to be arrested, if we've got our social credits showing, you know, that, you know, we can't, we can't uh, do anything, uh, that's one thing. But here in the United States, uh, a country that uh, uh, we have rule of law, tell us about this idea of civil disobedience. What do you think? Wow, you 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 covered like a whole lot just even in that one question because you know um, because I also think even within our own country we see differences between you know like where I live now, where you live now, Tennessee. Um, and versus, you know, in other parts of, you know, whether it is in parts of California or in Oregon or in, in New York City in certain areas, uh, and you see differences in the attitude toward Christians. Uh, for example, when I speak to different groups, if I speak in the South, you know, I'll ask people, where do you go to church? But if I go to the North, I'll ask them, do you go to church? It's a it's a completely different <laughs> A yes. mindset of it, and and it does not mean that the those that go to church here in the South are more Christian, because I generally find they're not. It's a little bit harder to to discern that. It's a culture. It is. It's just yeah. It's just kind of partly of of kind of what you do now. After twenty twenty, I've seen a lot of that change, and and I'm curious to see how that fares out in in a couple more years. But but it is different, and and I think but but and then when I bring up issues of talking about civil disobedience, I think the automatic thought that goes through everyone's head is a protest. You know, we we think of 
of you know Martin Luther King's you know famous march to from Selma you know to Montgomery right. and you know and and or the the at the uh, you know the the mall in, in in DC and you think about those type of things, but in reality is is civil disobedience is nothing more than just being able to say no, I'm not going to do that. And it doesn't even necessarily always have to relate to the government as well as it can even to your employer. So, for example, when a CVS employee says, I'm no longer I'm not going to give abortion drugs. Um, she just said, no, I can't do it because of my faith. Or when hockey players said, I'm not going to wear the pride uniform. And and when that happens, you know, that is that is a, an, a, an engaging in civil disobedience without, um, you know, being like this big, you know, protest and then you're the mostly peaceful protest of burning buildings down, which again, I think we have so much of that idea, but that's not what civil disobedience is. It's literally just a matter of just saying no to something that we find immoral. Wow. Very great and intriguing uh, definition. So in a sense, there is a war on Christian Christianity, a war on Christians going on in our nation today um so let's take a couple of cases um in uh, one of the major uh, supermarkets uh the employees were told that if they did not wear um a gay pride uh, t-shirt that they would be fired and uh, that went all the way to law but some of them refused to wear that that t-shirt because it violated their conscience. Um, were they doing right? They weren't obeying their boss. They were not in, they, they, they were disobedient on that. And that was a private entity, not a government entity. How, how would you handle that? You know, I don't think there's much of a difference between the two because, because and, and, and in my book I outline, there's really kind of three times where, where we should say no. One is, is, is if the government or you're a ruling body which again can be your employer as well um ask you to commit evil and i yep. think a great example of that and it's an easy go-to is what happened in nazi germany you know yes. you know i mean that's just that's just nice and easy simple yes. way of doing it um and then i think that the second area is is when you're asked to do something that is against uh god's law and the third one is, is when god specifically tells you to do something and i think the example there would be harriet tubman you right. know, where, where, you know, she, yeah. she engaged in, in freeing slaves because God told her in that second scenario, I think follows with the example that you gave. And I don't know the, the specifics of those that, that said no, but, but, but kind of using it when I see it in so many other situations, you know, they're saying, you know what, God, God says that, 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 that homosexuality is a, is a sin. And, and therefore I cannot engage in behavior that says, God, you're wrong. And that and 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 the the this my employer is right. And I think in those situations, you know, that I think we have to almost ask the question, are you are you ready to fail down here and succeed up there? Or are you ready to succeed down here and fail up there? And in that particular situation, to me, it seems pretty simple. And and the consequences aren't and the decision isn't always, but 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 in reality is 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 we're there to honor God and be an ambassador for him in all that we do. And therefore that would mean requiring saying we can't wear this shirt. So there's been a major attempt uh, from uh, the Biden bureaucracy. And uh, this is not new. This has happened before, but there's been a major attempt to 
make sure that adoption agencies uh, um, open their adoption agency up to a gay couple. And if they're Christian based, that violates their religious beliefs. There's the effort on the behalf of the Biden administration to be able to say uh, to Christian schools, uh, you cannot have standards for the students. And another uh, uh, bureaucracy says uh, that uh, the employees, you cannot have a, uh, a, a test on uh, any type of uh, religious stand, a moral stand uh, in hiring because it's violating uh, government policy. Um, so we're dealing in this case with government. How, how, how should the uh, adoption agencies, the schools, the, the Christian employer, how should they handle this? Uh, uh, be obedient to what the state says or be obedient to God, the word of God, and their conscience? Yeah, we have to be obedient to God. I mean, I mean that's just the bottom line. I mean, and if we, when you read, you know, uh, when you read what Jesus, Jesus's words all throughout the New Testament, the, it, it, he very rarely says anything about saying that you believe in him and saying like the sinner's prayer. Uh, that's mentioned one time um, in, in all four Gospels versus the idea of being obedient. He talks about nonstop. Um, and, and, and then when you really dig deeper into it, the, the, the root word for the Latin root for the word obedient means to listen, to listen intently. And so we are to be listening to God and listening to what, with the direction he's giving us. And in so many times, you know, he already, he's already spoke to us through his word and through the Bible. So when it's really clear where he, he his view is, then that's the direction we need to go. Now, does that mean that I should discriminate against people who have a different faith than me in, in my hiring practices? Absolutely not. Because for me, it gives me an opportunity to share the gospel when they come work for me that I would not necessarily be able to. But when I, but if I had, and I've had this, this issue come up, if I've had an employee um, in one particular situation, employee, she was, um, uh, she thought she was a man um, she was not, and she wanted to use the men's restroom and she wanted to be called a different pronoun. And I explained to her, that's not something that I can do. Um, and now could there have been consequences? Unfortunately for me in this situation, there was not, but could there have been consequences? Absolutely. But I look at like a great example is Hobby Lobby. Hobby yes. Lobby, when the Affordable Care Act came out, said, look, we might have to close. I mean, they were going to have to terminate tens of thousands of employees because they could not go against their, the, the, and I will say they're conscious because they cannot go against God's word. And, and by doing so, they ran that risk. And it's just a risk that we all take, but that's a risk that we've always took as Christians. And, and I think that if we don't want to take that risk as Christians, I think we really need to, to really analyze whether or not we, we, we are a Christian or not. I, I, and I kind of hate to be kind of that harsh about it, but I think there's there's a reality we need to step back and look at it, or at least look at being repentant on our attitudes about it. Wow. So if you look at the Old Testament, like with Moses, there was civil disobedience there. You take a look at the New Testament, like Paul was constantly breaking <laughs> laws and ending up in jail and Finally, he lost his life. And of course, uh, Peter, when he's told not to spread the gospel, you know, that you got Acts 5, 29. Yep. Uh, 
it's better to obey God than than man. Um, when you take a look at at this those parts of Scripture, but then you take a look at Romans thirteen that says we're basically to obey those in authority. How do you um, uh, find <laughs> who are compatible? So 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 yeah, that's that's one of the common objections that that that. Uh, that's out there uh, against civil disobedience. And I find it funny that, you know, both Paul and Peter both wrote about that, wrote, you know, we need to obey our, you know, the authorities because the authorities come from God. But yet both Paul and Peter both, you know, didn't. And, you know, you got, you're right, you're about Peter in Acts 5, but it even goes back into Acts 4 when he says, no, they arrest him. He says, no, again, he does it anyway. They beat him. He does it again. I mean, it, you know, and then so finally he's just like, look, I got to obey God versus man before they yeah. finally just said, okay, we're going to beat you one last time and hope you just stop. And, and you know, but, and, you know, and Paul, the exact same thing. I mean, he, I mean, you're right. Everywhere he goes, how would you like to be his travel companion? I mean, you know, <laughs> and so, but so when you look at it, though, when you look at it in that one particular verse, it does say, yes, you need to obey. But when you read further in both Peter and in Romans, when you when you when you read further, it it, it, it outlines that God created government to do good. It is not designed just to follow just blindly any government authority whatsoever. It is designed to follow the government that God created to do good. If we can assume that God creates government to do good, uh, you know, logically, we have to assume that the enemy that we have, Satan, will also work on creating government to do bad. And wow. though that is where we have to be able to do so. So those areas that we are to obey yes. are, are areas to obey the government that God has established to do good. I think also when you look at Romans uh, in there, at the very end, he says, oh, by the way, yes, you have to pay taxes. And that was a big part of that conversation. And, and I think that is an area that we look at in the United States. If you remember back in like the 90s, like the Patriot Movement and like the right. free men and yes. um, all of that, right. um, you know, we, we see, you know, where they're like, well, we're not going to pay taxes. No, I think as Christians, we have a duty to pay taxes. Even Jesus says, render under Caesar what is Caesar. And that Caesar was Tiberius, who was an atrocious human being. And, um, you know, so... But at the same time, you know, Jesus still said, no, I'm still going to, I'm still going to, you know, heal on Sundays. Right. I'm still going to, you know, I'm still going to take my punishment that, that even though I was perfect and even Pilate tried to defend him more than most Christians tried to defend other Christians. And, and so I think we still see where the, again, the, the examples uh, uh, show why, where Paul and Peter distinguish the, the, the two from everybody else. Wow, very, very great points. So flashing back to 2020, um, one of the churches that was disobedient was Calvary Chapel San Jose. And they're still in court, despite the U.S. Supreme Court basically signing on behalf of the churches that they it was unconstitutional to close them down. They're still trying to have a, over a million dollar fine on that church, um, uh, that that was a church where everything was to be closed down, and the pastor stood up and said, "No, we're going to we're going to worship. We're 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 going to go and study God's word." And uh, uh, the government even did geofencing to track the members of the church to see who they were and where they went. Uh, it, it was absolutely an insane period of time. 
if that happens again, uh, what you know, in looking at what was done by the government closing down the churches, what would you say to the pastors who said, I'm going to obey the government, I'll close down my church? There's churches have been closed down for a year to two years because they were being obedient. Uh, what would you say to those pastors? Well, I think, I think, you know, hindsight, we can look at things a little bit differently. And, you know, at that time, you know, we were told two weeks. Yeah. And, you know, to, to slow the spread. And, right. and I, and I don't fault any of the pastors that chose to, to stay open or chose to close. I think those were decisions that we did not have any previous knowledge or experience with. So, right. so I say this not as a means of judging either one that messed up in either direction, because I think we both messed up in, 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 in directions because we didn't know what we were doing. Right. Um, but with that being said, going forward, um, I, I think unless we definitively know that, yeah, opening this church is going to lead to killing of a bunch of people, right. um, you know, um, I, I think we have no, we have the obligation to stay open. And I'll, and I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Yes. Um, go, go, go back to 1962. In 1962, they took prayer out of public schools. In 63, right. they, they, they basically doubled down on it. Um, you know, 10 years after that's when the sexual revolution was was born, or I mean, just a couple of years after that, it was it was it was born just a couple of years after that. Um, we start seeing the impact that's happened because now we're looking at the children of parents who did not have prayer in public schools. Right. And we saw this this huge increase of, of of immorality. Well, after 2020, we've seen even worse and we've seen it speed up. And you talk to Christians, it just it feels like our heads spun so fast because it just came in with force. Well, lukewarm Christians are no longer going to church anymore. At least they had some understanding of right or wrong that was a standard outside of themselves, whether right. they believed or not. But now they don't have that belief. And so I think if we continue to close down, I think we're going to continue not being able to spread the idea and the concept of what is right and wrong. And I know we can always argue, well, you know, we can stream it, et cetera. But in reality is, is that's not what was happening, you know, and in reality is, is we need as part of the body of Christ, we need each other, we need to have that encouragement, we need to have that, um, you know, that that time with each other. But and then most importantly, is that pastors need to recognize that again, they are they're they're, they're leaders, they have to be able to stand up and they have to be able to say, uh, I can't do this. I can't not on my watch anymore. And you're going to have to. And in order for you to understand who Christ is, you got to understand that I'm willing to give up my freedom for Christ. And I think when we do that, we truly get to share the gospel because we're treating the Bible as if it's true, because it is true. And as long as we continue thinking that all we got to do is put on a good show and get people just to say the prayer and then check we're done and we did a good job. Look, I had 3000 people come up and that's not how it worked. And reality is, is when we say, look, we're willing to take a stand and we're willing to do this and let people see again the power of Christ and the power of the church. That's when we win. That's when we start succeeding and changing our culture. And when we change our culture, we change our politicians. So, so that's yeah. You asked for an orange, I gave you a fruit basket. <laughs> you made a really important point. Is there seems to have been across the United States, some places more than others, certainly in the in the lockdown states, the people who are still in church. But, I, you know, it's, it's hard to say, like in California, um, 
I was talking to Brad J uh, uh, Dacus of uh, Pacific Justice Institute, and he goes mm -hmm. church to church and speaks, and and he goes, uh, Craig, in California churches, they've lost 30 to 40% of the people. Now, the reality is some of those people have fled California. <laughs> and, right. You know, the free state of Tennessee or to Texas or something. <laughs> but he's he's seen it clear and up, up front that there has been a change in the churches where you've got people who are who do want to study God's word, who do want to worship, who do want to tell others about Jesus Christ. He sees the, the signs of revival, the signs of repentance at churches across California in a way that before the pandemic was not the case. Tell us about this, that what you're seeing uh, with uh, how, how people after the church lockdowns, how they're reacting. You know, it was it was interesting to me looking at things because Christian friends of mine all of a sudden were no longer going to church. And I would listen to them be like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, it's because of COVID. I'm scared of getting sick. But I'm like, well, you have no problem going on vacation, hanging out in, in, in bars and in pools, public pools, you know, and having no problem there. But all of a sudden at church, it becomes uniquely a problem. I mean, Give me a break. I mean, it's just that's just that's ridiculous. But um, but I was watching that and I was watching them use it more as an excuse to be able to live the life they wanted to live and still kind of claim they're a Christian. However, on the flip side, and I do agree with 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 what he said um, and um, which is um, I've also seen in our church the people that were coming regularly that no longer come. Yep. Um, but also I see people now that travel hundreds of miles because my pastor will speak the truth. And they travel hundreds of miles to come to our church every week, sometimes out of state. Yeah. Now, Tennessee is unique. You know, you, you're a couple hours, you're out of state, <laughs> uh, depending on if you go to north That's and fine. south. But nevertheless, I mean, they're traveling a couple hours to go to a church. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so they can hear it. And we're seeing a, a, a stronger group of people that, that seems to be more um, faith-filled. Um, and, and I, I kind of use that term loosely. But but I see a lot I see a lot more strength in the people that go to church and a lot more of a commitment of people go to church because I think they recognize what they were losing. Whereas before, you know, I just don't like the music anymore, so I'm going to take a left instead of a right, you know, to go to my church. You know, I don't like you know I don't like it's grape juice versus. I mean, I, you notice how none of those arguments seem to be existing anymore. All right, the, right, you know, right. can you bring coffee into the sanctuary, <laughs> like? Yeah. Now it's like, oh, wait a second. We realize, wait a second, look at what they did to us. And now we were united. But I do agree that there are many people out there who, again, I'm, I, I'll argue that we're lukewarm. That was kind of like, yeah, you know, I can sleep in now and just watch it on TV. And now I don't watch it on TV as much anymore. I'll just watch a YouTube video every now and then to, boy, I really like this podcast on movies better. I mean, you know, it's just a slow, slippery slope that, that kind of kind of leads you astray. And I think that's kind of how Satan has always operated. Great observation. So, Peter, as we kind of uh, wrap this up, tell me about this book that you have. So, the, the, again, the idea behind it was when I saw what happened after 2020. And, and I'm what, sorry? What's the name of the book? Oh, sorry. The name of the book is On the Duty of Christian Civil Disobedience. I, I kind of stole it from Henry David Thoreau's On the Duty of Civil Disobedience, just just made it the, the Christian perspective. 
and 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 I and I saw what was going on in 2020 and and our lack of knowledge of how to respond and when to respond. And I wanted to use it as an opportunity to to to, to teach Christians to say, look, we have a we have a, a duty, and it is a Christian duty to engage in saying no. It is not something that it's not a political duty. It's a Christian duty that we have to engage in saying no. But we need to know when to do it and how to do it, and the risk it takes when it happens. And I think we have to acknowledge that on the front end too. And 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 I wanted to to be very open and clear and again keep it as even though we're dealing with a lot of political topics, I wanted to be as politically neutral as I possibly could because I think sometimes we make politics our idol and, and I address that in the in there and that, that we have to be very careful that we don't make our cause our idol and our politics our idol. But I think, but but so I was trying to deal with it so that we knew how to move forward and and how to engage in it without being emotional and just responding and reacting in an emotional sense. That sounds awesome. I know I want to get a copy of that and read it. So uh, for for our listeners, um, how can they get a copy of the book? Is it on Amazon? It is on Amazon. Um, you can go to Amazon and order it off of there. You could also go to my website directly, which is uh, Peter Demos, P-E-T-E-R-D-E-M-O-S uh, dot org. Well, uh, as we close up, um, uh, I want to encourage everybody to get the book. I'm going to get the book. And uh, and uh, uh, I also want to... Um, just bring up again, if you'd like to get my article on a Christian civil disobedience, just email me and we'll make sure we mail it to them. Peter, as we, as we end up, uh, final thought or two for, uh, for those who are listening. I think that the biggest thing that we can do as Christians is that we have to be able to treat the Bible as if it's true. Hmm. I think as soon as, as, if we do that and not super spiritualize it or not minimize it, I think then we can really start to change our country and start to change our culture. And I think that is just so critical, no matter whether or not we agree or disagree with those around us. Powerful. Everyone, thanks so much for listening. And now here's what you need to do. Take this podcast, send it to people on your email list, text this over to people, put it on Instagram, Facebook, whatever social media you have. Let's spread this message and, and let more people know about it. And uh, until next week, I'll have Shelly with me again. And uh, God bless you all. And thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us this week. We are listener supported. So please consider partnering with us by donating at craighuey.com or by signing up for our free newsletter. We look forward to being with you next week. And don't forget to share this podcast with others.